show on WNYC. Good morning again, everyone. I got a promotional mailer recently from the conservative Hillsdale College in Hillsdale, Michigan, advertising their school and looking for donations. The very first line of the letter says, if we're going to save America from the growing threats of socialism, transgenderism, and Marxism, there's only one way we can do it, education. And I thought, Okay, fine, a college that offers an education based on political conservatism, they're allowed. We're a politically diverse country. It's a private college. People can get educated in the context that they choose. But then I thought about that opening sentence, and I thought, which one of these does not belong? Which one of the three things that they claim they're trying to save America from? Socialism, Marxism, and transgenderism. Now, Socialism and Marxism, Marxism, you can believe in them or not. Okay, fine. But transgenderism, how you experience your own body as an ism, a belief system, a political philosophy, that's just hate speech to my eye. It's like saying we should save the country from left-handedism or blue-eyeism. The trans people I know didn't choose what gender they experienced themselves to be by weighing competing isms, like some audience member in a political debate. So here's a college that's fundraising off the idea that one of the three big threats to the country is a belief system that isn't a belief system. Maybe they should be saying, our college helps make America safe for otherism, labeling people who are different from the majority or different from you as threats to the social order. I had a similar thought when I saw the news last week that the Nassau County executive on Long Island, Bruce Blakeman, banned transgender girls and women from playing in school sports on any Nassau County athletic facilities. That's around 100 ball fields, ice rinks, and other facilities. Blakeman said, quote, there's too much bullying going on of biological males trying to inject themselves in female sports. It's wrong, and it's a form of bullying, unquote. Now, Maybe there's a question of how to deal with trans women athletes because people born as boys are bigger on average. There are men's and women's divisions of major sports because of that. And maybe that's a conversation among people of goodwill. But to call it bullying is just hate speech to my eye. A transgender woman or girl is just a transgender woman or girl who wants to play ball. Someone who experiences their own body as they experience it. They're not boys pretending to be girls so they can bully girls by playing field hockey or softball or running in a track meet. There are much easier ways that boys can bully girls. In fact, county officials in Nassau County then said they don't even know of any examples, not one, of a transgender girl on a Nassau County team. And yet, Blakeman said he'd been thinking about issuing the ban for months. The county has lots of actual problems he can deal with, but he chose a non-problem to make a big announcement about. Now, I have a theory. It's about helping Republican candidates win elections in contested Long Island districts this year because this kind of hate speech actually sells right now to a certain percent of the, of the population that's meaningful. That's just a theory. 
So Hillsdale College is saving America from an ism that isn't an ism, and the Nassau County Executive is saving Long Island from an epidemic of bullying that they can't even cite one example of because transgender human beings have become political and religious targets of 2024 American politics. Hate speech, othering some of our neighbors, putting targets on their backs, masquerading as saving society from things that don't even exist. Well, who is being bullied are trans kids, some of them to death. A case in Oklahoma shines a light on this matter. 16-year-old Nex Benedict, who identified as non-binary, died after being beaten up by three older female students in a girls' bathroom in Oasso High School in Oklahoma. Activists are pointing to Oklahoma's SB 615, which prevents trans students from using bathrooms that align with their gender identity, as one culprit in the case. Another being far-right activist Shia Raychik, who's more known for running the account Libs of TikTok on X, which has amassed 2.9 million followers by ridiculing visible or outspoken LGBTQ people putting a target on their backs. Let's talk about this with Alejandra Caraballo, clinical instructor at Harvard Law School's Cyber Law Clinic. Alejandra, thanks for coming on. Welcome back to WNYC. Thanks for having me. Is transgenderism a thing? No, it's absolutely not a thing. It's a, it's a term that's used to dehumanize trans people and reduce our existence to an ideology. Do boys, people born boys who become trans girls or women, do they join sports teams so they can bully the other team's girls? Absolutely not. They're just playing for the same reasons anyone else is playing, for an, an opportunity, a chance to compete, an opportunity just to experience being on a team with other people and playing with their classmates. Um, you know, this particular uh, uh, executive order in Nassau County is is so incredibly broad uh, that it would apply to a girls chess team that was using a Nassau County um, facility. And, that, and that's exactly the kinds of things we've seen. I think a lot of people tend to focus on kind of the more physical sports, such as basketball or or softball or things like that, or swimming. Um, but in reality, this can be incredibly broad. It can, uh, we've seen attempts to ban trans women from uh, fishing, from pool um, uh, or um, billiards, uh, as it's also called. Uh, and so what, what this really is, is it's not, not really about fairness in sports at, at all. It's really about excluding and otherizing uh, trans people in general. For you at Harvard Law School, uh, can you give us a legal analysis of what this county, it's an executive order, uh, what this executive order would actually permit or not? Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's incredibly broad. It, it explicitly only applies to trans girls playing in sports, but since um, it applies to any county facility for any uh, team that holds itself out as being for girls, um, like I said, it can apply to a, a, a team of five-year-olds playing, you know, t-ball um, at any county facility. So it, it doesn't take into account anything beyond just uh, gender identity, which would violate the Gender Expression Non-Discrimination Act, which was passed in uh, 2019 um, and signed into law. 
Additionally, it violates the human rights law. It violates the equal protection clause of the U.S. Constitution. Um, and you know, as you've mentioned, there there's you know potential considerations like uh, you know things like needing a doctor's note or other things that we could implement as reasonable um, limitations. But this is not that. This is just a flat-out ban. And if you know a trans girl who has got never gone through a male puberty and has transitioned, has been you know living her life as trans uh, since she was four or five years old. Um, you know, if she's 13 and wanting to compete on on the swim team, you know, they're saying, oh, well, she can compete on the boys team, but that that's going to out her. That's going to cause humiliation. And instead of, you know, and on top of that, because they've never had through any male puberty, they have none of the advantages that, you know, are, that people will say they would have. And so um, really, this is about just otherizing trans people and putting them out there to to bully them and and to really bring harm and concentrate it for political points. Listeners, anybody have a story or a question for Alejandra Cadabayo, clinical instructor at the Harvard Law School Cyber Law Clinic, 212-433-WNYC. Call or text 212-433-9692. When this first came up last week, um, we had somebody text us a question about whether this might violate um, sex discrimination laws in that it only applies to trans girls playing on girls' teams. It doesn't apply to trans boys playing on boys' teams. Therefore, it treats the two gender, the, the genders or even the two sexes and the traditional framing differently in a way that would violate, violate the Civil Rights Act. Um, you have any take on that? Um, absolutely. There's a there's a difference between the two. Now they may claim it's it's about safety or fairness because you know the inherent assumption there is that it is one underlying misogyny that girls can never be as good as boys in anything, um, and so there almost certainly this would violate that. But I think in particular because there are explicit gender identity protections in New York State law, there's more immediate violations that this uh, executive order would violate. And I also just want to quickly bring up, like, the enforcement of this is one of the most tricky aspects, like, uh, particularly enforcement of this kind of executive order, right? Because you have to create this kind of gender bureaucracy to be able to actually enforce something like this. And what we've seen in other states like Utah that have passed similar laws is that parents who get upset that their child is losing, oftentimes to a very gender nonconforming cis girl, uh, that's a, a girl who's... Uh, gender identity aligns with their sex assigned at birth, um, they will then baselessly accuse that girl of being trans. And in one situation in Utah, father had to be physically removed because he was becoming belligerent and, and nearly violent. Um, in another situation, a state official on the um, one of the education boards there accused a girl of being trans on the basketball team because she was tall and uh, was gender nonconforming, and it resulted in this girl getting death threats and so many threats that the school had to provide her security. Um, ultimately, it was, it was false, but just even that kind of uh, uh, suspicion can create a hostility. And since you know, trans youth are, are incredibly rare, um, as you mentioned, they couldn't even ex cite a single example. Uh, the reality is, is that this is actually going to affect cis girls, the people they're claiming to protect 
more often than it will ever affect trans people because just of pure numbers. And you're going to get false accusations and it's going to destroy people's lives. It's going to cause violence. It's going to cause threats. Um, and so that's the part of this that people don't talk about. Is there, is, and you're a law professor, you're not a sports coach or a sports writer, but is, is there somewhere in there a legitimate question of how to deal with trans women athletes that's, you know, a subtler conversation that's worth having because people born as boys are bigger on average. You know, I read the average height of an NBA player is 6'6", a WNBA player is 6'1". No woman has ever beat the first place man in the New York Marathon. You know, you could go on. Is, Is there some conversation that doesn't include all this all this hate uh, that's yeah, real abs- there absolutely there's always room for for reasonable conversation and these these had been going on for years before um kind of this moral panic around trans people uh really became kind of mainstream over the last few years for for well over two decades you know the 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 olympics had allowed trans women to compete if they suppressed their hormones uh, for one to two years and took um, uh, feminizing hormones such as estrogen. And so there was constantly a look at the science at how much, you know, if they suppress testosterone or or um, have had gender uh, affirming surgery and they're on feminizing hormones for two or three years, um, like how that, you know, affects their performance. And there's ways to look at it and especially sport by sport because, Certain sports, it may be more apparent than others. And then there's also the question of trans youth who've never gone through a male puberty, either because they went on puberty blockers and then went on feminizing hormones. And so they don't have those advantages um, because it's really hormones that that really uh, uh, dictate a lot of the differences between um, girls and boys. Um, and so it's a very nuanced conversation and one that we can have particularly about specific sports and leaving sports particularly, but you know, you can have that conversation about balancing fairness with um, participation um, without creating these kinds of blanket bans that ostracize and and push out trans girls entirely from participating in any sports at all. You know, I was going to ask you next about Next Benedict, the 16-year-old non-binary student in Oklahoma who I mentioned in the intro, who died the morning after being beaten up by three girls in a high school bathroom earlier this month, but we have several callers who want to bring up a tragic situation much closer to home here in New York, and I'm going to take Jessamine in Brooklyn right now. Jessamine, you're on WNYC. Thank you for calling in. Thank you, Brian. Um, Yes, I was calling because I I am a member of the Panel for Educational Policy uh, and the parent of two trans students myself um, in the New York City Public Schools, and Two days before spring break um, or the February break was set to begin, um, we learned of the horrific death of, by suicide of a trans student at my older child's high school, which is located in Community School District 2. Um, and I'm not sure if you're aware, but CEC 2 currently seats two avowed transphobes and um you know, there has been a lot of public outcry to remove these individuals, um, but the city has yet done nothing. And, you know, to date, we're sort of in this situation where, um, you know, we have active transphobes 
Um, who uh, appoints or elects those people? Um, members of the CECs are elected by parents within a given school district. But, um, you know, if you followed any education reporting from last year, we know that there was historic low turnout in um, the CEC, the last CEC election cycle. So, you know, it, it's sort of widely understood that the CECs that are seated today are not necessarily representative of the constituencies that they represent. What makes somebody in that context a transphobe, as you label them? Um, their public comments denying the reality of trans, transness, um, describing it as confusion, um, rather than an essential nature of a, you know, of a person, a, a lived experience. Jessamine, thank you for your call. I think we have another Brooklyn parent calling about the same incident. Uh, hi, you're on WNYC. Hello. Hi. Are you? Yeah, it's Hi, you. how are you? I will do my best to keep it together like that last parent. I, I want to, out of respect for privacy, keep my name, um, you know, but I, sure. I too, am the, I'm the father of trans kids. And, you know, this environment, and my kid goes to the school where that, that tragedy occurred, this is a really loving environment. It's a really wonderful school, and it still happens. Was there something that was a bullying incident or a policy, something at the school level that you think contributed to her deci decision to die by suicide, to their decision to die by suicide. But we lost that caller. I think he said all he could say without losing it. And, oh, my God, Alejandra. Yeah. I I mean, it, this is just something that is just, like, it, it is so difficult to, to hear these stories because this is, you know, what we know is happening across the United States. Um, and I think it's a, it particularly telling you know the first parent who brought up the the CEC and and it coming from the 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 top it's it's adults that are failing these kids it's particularly adults in positions of power who are deciding to utilize tr uh, hatred against trans people in order to score political points and the kids that are suffering are the trans youth themselves who oftentimes don't have the kinds of support that we would want every child to have and it's just so incredibly difficult to hear stories like that. And I, I've heard similar of of others in other states, such as Montana, during legislative sessions, like even talking about these kinds of policies and enacting these kinds of policies can it can exact tremendous psychological harm. Um, but I also just want to say, if, you know, to any other trans youth listening out there, like there are so many people fighting for you and trying to make the world a better, kinder place. And and don't don't lose hope. And there's plenty of resources such as the Trevor Project, um, you know, that you can reach out to if you're feeling like you you are having a really hard time. Um, and you know, I hope we can uh, give out maybe the number for for the Trevor Project or, or similar resources, um, because it's just an it's an incredibly difficult time, and we need to be able to support you know all all the vulnerable children who are just going through it right now. Do you have that number at hand for the Trevor Project? I don't have it off the top of my head. We're can... looking it up. That's all right. We're looking okay. it up. So listeners, if that's something you think you might want to take down, we'll give you a couple of minutes uh, as we find it ourselves, and we'll give you the number uh, as Alejandra 
uh, suggested for for the Trevor Project because yeah, there are plenty of people out there supporting your life, even though there are these haters out there doing some of the things we've been documenting. Do you want to say anything about the Oklahoma case, the 16-year-old non-binary student named Nex Benedict, who was apparently beaten to death in a high school bathroom, right? Yeah, the the facts have become, um, you know, quite quite complex as the the police have released more details, particularly around um, some of the surveillance footage in the 911 call. But what we do know is that you know, in the days leading up, they were an in-school suspension for vaping, um, and they had never met these three girls that had um, they ultimately were were beaten by. Um, but throughout that time, Nex had been experiencing tremendous amounts of bullying, um, and particularly was getting bullied by some of these girl, girls in in-school suspension. They went to the bathroom. Nex poured some water on them after they made some comments directed towards them and they proceeded to beat Nex. Um, from my understanding, they Nex's head was bashed into the ground. Um, you know, the they were then taken to the the, the school principal's office, um, where in some of the surveillance footage they looked like they were wobbling a bit as they were walking. Um, the school failed to notify police. The mother came to to, to pick Nex up and take them to the hospital. And there's um, some footage from the body cam of the police officer that did an interview at the hospital. Um, and while next seemed like somewhat uh, uh, lucid in talking, um, the very next day, you know, uh, they collapsed at home and uh, unfortunately passed away once they, they reached the hospital, they were declared dead. Um, and during the 911 call, the, you know, the, the mother was describing them as having their hands postured up um, and kind of almost being stiff as a board. Um, and so we, we don't know yet a cause of death. The police have speculated uh, based on incomplete information that it was not related to trauma. But um, until we have a full um, report by the, the medical examiner, we don't know for sure. But, you know, healthy 16 year olds just don't randomly die, especially a day after sustaining a, a head trauma. Um, and so, you know, th- this is one of the things where, you know, I-, I think in particular, people tend to focus on the, the bullying by by the girls. But in Oklahoma, th- this is coming from the top. Uh, last year, 40 anti-LGBTQ bills were introduced in Oklahoma, uh, several passing, banning gender affirming care, banning the use of pr- uh, preferred pronouns or, or, or uh, by trans students in schools, forced outing, uh, don't say gay style bills. Uh, a ban on using the bathroom that aligns with your gender. I mean, just just a whole suite of bills that passed last year. Um, and this year, they're still not done. There's 30 more uh, anti-LGBTQ bills that have passed. Um, and, you know, we've, we've seen this kind of atmosphere of hate that has just been targeted um, towards trans youth uh, and in particular. And the superintendent of schools who runs, you know, is in charge of overseeing all the schools in Oklahoma, Ryan Walters, um, just last summer put out a video uh making it as though trans youth are a danger in schools and they're a danger to other girls um and you know that kind of hostility it really will trickle down the kids see this right they see adults picking on a particular community and they think it's okay to follow that example um and so i think really what this is is this is a, a failure of the adults particularly you know at the school at the school board level, at the state level, among all the state legislators, 
I mean, even just in the wake of this death, uh, state uh, state Senator uh, Tom Woods in Oklahoma was asked about next Benedict's death. And he said, you know, we don't want this filth in our schools, referring to LGBTQ people and or not in schools, in our state. Um, and so it's it's fully masked off there where it, it's just so directed and targeted. And so it's it's no wonder that kids are learning this kind of hatred because this kind of hate has to be taught. It is not it is not people aren't born with it. And so um, I, I think it's really a story of just how much the adults are failing the youth there in Oklahoma. One more call and then we're out of time. Allegra. In Westchester, you're on WNYC. Hello, Allegra. Hi, uh, can you hear me? Uh-huh, we gotcha. Hi. Um, so I, um, I'm, I'm a relatively young adult, a relatively young queer adult. And the point that I just wanted to make about this is I think there's so much focus in the language um, regarding this topic about, like, the perceived differences in levels of competitive abilities between people who are, um, you know, the quote-unquote assigned female at birth versus assigned male at birth. And that language almost always is centered around, like, professional athletes and athletic endeavors at the professional level. And I think it's just important to realize that so many people who partake in athletic endeavors, like in this country, probably 99% of them, will never reach a professional level. And um, uh, for a lot of kids playing on sports teams, the competitive outcome is not necessarily the point. The point is so much more centered around like teamwork and communication and friendship and um, just like building sense of community. And I'm sorry, um, I'm getting very emotional. That's all right. Um, Take your time. But like as as a young as a as a non-binary person who grew up playing competitive sports, I know how important having those avenues of connection were to me, and I made you know lifelong friends, and I think I uh, you know accumulated a number of skills that I'll keep with me for the remainder of my life, and I just wanted to make that point as well that this is just like an avenue of social connection that we are ridding people, most of many of whom are already feeling lonely and isolated and out of place, socially young adults, you know, due to the nature of their identities and the discrimination that they face. And I, yeah, I guess I just wanted to emphasize that is that I think, you know, this was such an important um, avenue and vehicle for social connection for me growing up. And it just like devastates me from this perspective also that that is not something that's being made available to, um, you know, a number Everybody. of kids, yeah. also young adults, you know, around, around the country today. Allegra, thank you very much. Thank you very, very much. And I don't think we can top that, so I think we're going to have to end it here, which we have to anyway, more or less, because of the clock. Um, I'll just read one more text message about the Nassau County Executive banning trans girls uh, um, from playing on Nassau County sports facilities. Listen to rights. This issue makes my blood boil. I am a parent of a trans woman, and I know of no person who has transitioned because they want to compete in sports. This is the most ridiculous, false narrative. Um, 
and and his calling it bullying, and this will be the last word, then I'll give out that uh, contact information for the Trevor Project, Alejandra. That's the part that's so over the top that I, I wonder if it's even a, a winning issue or one that's going to backfire on him in Nassau County politics, saying that, that they're joining sports teams as trans girls to bully people. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, the thing is, is that we we have examples around the country where people have run explicitly on this kind of anti-trans platform, and it's a losing one. Um, the governor of Kentucky just won re-election despite vetoing all of these kinds of bans on, on trans youth um, and standing up for trans youth. Uh, state Senate or Senate seats across the country in 2022, um, uh, there was the governor's race in, in Michigan and um, Arizona, where, where both of the, the governors there um, were attacked for supporting trans youth, and the, the candidates bringing those attacks lost. Um, and so while this may be very good for motivating, I think, kind of the more um, extreme conservative base, it doesn't move the middle. It doesn't really change any votes. And so... Um, this is not an election winner. It may bring attention. It may get, you know, headlines, but it doesn't win elections. And I, I, I think this is one of those things that may may backfire spectacularly here in Nassau County. So, folks, if you're looking for support as a trans or non-binary person, you can go to the thetrevorproject.org, thetrevorproject.org, or call 866-488-7386. And we thank Alejandra Caballero from the Harvard Law School's Cyber Law Clinic for, for being our guest. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me.